Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. If you spend enough time out and about in Chicago, you'll inevitably see these little bicycle memorials on street corners all over the city. They're called ghost bikes. And as a cyclist, seeing those on occasion is always a reminder of how unprotected and unsafe I am out here riding around Chicago. I don't want to be a ghost bike. Almost everywhere I drive in the city of Chicago, I see a bike attached to a pole with flowers or painted white or black or whatever. And it breaks my heart because that's a dead person that probably wouldn't be dead if common sense infrastructure for bikes existed. This is Patrick Burden. He's one of the many cyclists my colleague Jessica Alvarado Gomez spoke with for a story about bike crashes. Jess is a Roy Howard fellow at WBEZ, and she focuses on data reporting. She moved to Chicago a couple months ago, and she drove around the city to get her bearings a little bit. She noticed she was getting real close to the cyclists. I can easily go into the painted bike lanes. And so I was like, okay, well, if there's so many people here that are cycling, what's their infrastructure look like? So being the reporter she is, Jess did some digging. And then I started seeing that people had a problem with the way (laughs) bike infrastructure was like, and that just made me start asking questions. Questions like, what is actually causing bike crashes in Chicago? A lot of us feel that we have the answer to that question. I know I did. But just to be clear, I wanted to get into the actual numbers. Just used city data to paint a picture of bike safety in Chicago. The data tells me that crashes happen every single day. And not, there's not a day that goes by that a crash doesn't happen. We are over already 1,600 crashes. And that's a pretty big number for this year alone. And I just was like, well, why is this happening? And based on the data, I found that the majority of these crashes happen because some drivers uh, fail to yield right away or they don't follow traffic regulations. Mm, okay. Are there areas in the city where this is happening more often than others? Yeah, so a lot of these crashes happen on streets such as Milwaukee Avenue, Halstead Street, Clark Street, or Damon Avenue. Mm -hmm. And from speaking to people and trying to understand, well, why these areas? And I found out that it's because these areas are the most popular, you know. A lot of people are around here or they live around there. And when there's a lot of people in a certain area, of course, there's going to be a lot of crashes. But then it makes me wonder, you know, areas such as Halstead Street. Well, crashes are happening here a lot. They're like number two on that list. But I've based on the bike infrastructure map from the city, there's like gaps of protected bike lanes or the majority of it is painted bike lanes. So it doesn't make sense to me in that sense. It's, it's, yeah, it is nonsensical. Can I say that? It is nonsensical, <laughs> just objectively <laughs> nonsensical. Um, so I do, I'm one of those cyclists that you would see outside your window. You know, um, I do a lot of cycling around the city. I also drive sometimes. Um, and in both cases, situations happen that I know I'm not reporting to anyone. Like I almost get hit. Somebody will cut me off. I myself will run a stop sign. Uh, (laughs) um, How are instances like that reflected in the data if, like, no one reports them? 
Well, they're not. So okay. a lot of this data um, is reported either if there's a police officer on scene or if someone reports their crash. So many times we can see the data is can or can be underreported. And so stuff like near misses aren't reported. So let's say you're riding your bike and someone just brushes you with their car and nothing happens out of it. The driver doesn't stop. You don't report it. You just keep going to your day. You're a little angry about it. Things like that yeah. would really help know what causes that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about some of the people represented by the numbers that you found with those crashes. You talked to a lot of cyclists who have been in accidents. Yes. Um, were there any common threads among all of them? Yeah, so I I didn't know what I was going to find when speaking to all of these cyclists. And by the way, I want to say thank you to all of them who gave me their time to tell their stories. Um, but I realized a majority of them were involved in hit and run crashes. And that's something that surprised me because oh, like man. if you get hit by a driver, you would think they would stop. But they didn't stop and they kept going. And that's something that I found striking. Oof. And then I looked at the data and there was like more than 400 there's probably more now, but there's more than 400 cyclists involved in hit and run crashes, which is kind of crazy to me. And then a lot of times it was some drivers just weren't paying attention. Hmm. The story that just um, kind of stuck with me was this cyclist who was telling me their story about when they were involved in a crash and he ended up breaking his collarbone. Like when he got hit, he went unconscious. Oh he ended gosh. up breaking his collarbone. But when he regained consciousness, like the driver was gone. And that's something that I think about every day. And even when I'm driving, I'm like super hyper aware. Yeah. Or like even when I have to park, because sometimes when you park, uh-huh. you have to go through. You the, have to cross you over have to the cross bike it. lane. And then my boyfriend would be parking, and I'd be like, "Before you get out of your car, watch out for cyclists." Because like dooring's also a thing. Well, that's dooring's when you're like in a parked car and you open the door, and if you don't see a cyclist coming, they can essentially hit your car door and become ejected. Yeah, from their bike. When you and open your car door, you open it into the bike lane because that's how little exactly, space. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm just super hyper aware of that, and it just sticks with me. You know, talking to a lot of people, is I'm like, just because you don't see it in the news every day when people are getting injured, doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. I spoke to a dozen cyclists, and here are some of their voices in a montage. So that was kind of scary to just get kind of like somersaulted, you know, into the middle of the lane. I was wearing all the correct PPE that everyone says I should wear. I was knocked out for, hard to say, 30 seconds maybe. (laughs) A lot of it just like, what, what, why would you do that? People kept asking me, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Mm. That is so scary. Yeah, and... Like, let's say you get hit by a car. It's not just hospital bills that you have to deal with sometimes. It's like, well, sometimes you lose your only mode of transportation, which is your bike. So sometimes you have to do bike repairs, and that can cost a lot of money. Or even, like, the loss of your time, especially taking time off of work. You know, the financial burden that can come with that. And even the emotional trauma of getting back on your bike. Mm -hmm. A lot of these cycles I've spoken to just feel like nothing is being done about it. Mm Mm-hmm. I know that while you were reporting on this, there was one phrase that you heard a lot, which was paint is not protection. Can you unpack that? Yeah. So 
Paint is not protection is something I heard amongst the biking community. And essentially what it means is that what someone told me is that a painted bike lane is not enough to keep people safe. But that's like a majority of the bike infrastructure that Chicago has. Yeah. The city of Chicago currently has like 441 miles of bike infrastructure, right? But only 9% of that is protected bike infrastructure. But they don't tell you really what that means. Mm -hmm. Some cyclists tell me that, you know, protected bike infrastructure is concrete between traffic and the biker. Wait, when you say concrete, are you saying like a raised piece of concrete? Yes. Okay. So like not super raised, but it's just enough where it's like... If you can't just drive your car over Exactly. It. Unless yeah. it creates damage to your car, right? Yeah. So that is something that can help. But sometimes the concrete separated lanes, they don't always connect. So you have like miles of protected bike infrastructure that's mm -hmm. concrete, but then it ends and it's back to painted or there's nothing at all. Mm -hmm. I was looking at the city's like past like bike proposals and a lot of times they would kind of switch up what protected bike lanes mm. meant. And like at first they would say they were like these bullard protected bike lanes. And what bullard protected bike lanes are like, they're kind of those vertical posts that you see. Yeah, the white posts. Yeah, yeah. and they would say, oh, that's protected infrastructure. But to cyclists, that isn't really protected infrastructure because a lot of times these bullards were plastic. So drivers can easily just run them over. Oh, yeah. And even driving around the city myself, like I see some of these bullards are like bent. Yeah, and I've rolled over one just parking one time because I, I didn't see it. Yeah. You know? And then a lot of times you can like drive by every day and like it's still bent. Yes. Like it's like they're not getting fixed. So that's something I personally noticed as well. So based on your reporting, what would be ideal protection for cyclists? Yeah. So based on my reporting and talking to cyclists, a lot of them want concrete protected bike lanes mm -hmm. and they also want a connected bike grid. And so essentially what that is is bike infrastructure that connects throughout so they don't have to face those gaps in the infrastructure and kind of feel safe. And this doesn't only protect cyclists, but it could also protect drivers and kind of ease their mind too because a lot of these crashes also happen in intersections and where you have a, let's say, a protected bike lane. The driver thinks, well, I'm protected from the cyclist and the cyclist protected of me because we have a barrier. Mm -hmm. But right when we get to these intersections, those end. Yeah. What has been like the evolution of progress that the city of Chicago has made on these protected bike lanes, speed limits, all that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's kind of hard for me to like, because I don't want anyone to seem like they're like a bad guy in this, right? But it's like when I look at the data and looking at all 441 of the bike infrastructure and only 9% is protected, doesn't seem like that was a lot of progress being made. Mm -hmm. Speaking to CEDAW and seeing like the city's efforts, especially this year, it seems and like- CEDA is- CEDAW is the Chicago Department of Transportation. Oh, CDOT. Yeah, CDOT. Gotcha. Uh -huh. They're making progress, but it's a little slow, I think. Um, but they said they're going to upgrade all of their bollard protected bike lanes to concrete protected bike lanes. That's still only 9% of the infrastructure, but they said that they're also going to implement the next 150 miles. That's going to focus on protected 
bike lanes and neighborhood greenways and off-street trails. And so that's something that I'm very interested to see if they follow through with their plan with that. Mm -hmm. And I know that they can do it. Even a lot of people say that it's possible for the city to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We hear a lot about drivers being reckless. Um, And you said a lot of times that is the cause of the accident. A lot of drivers will say cyclists are not following the rules of the road. I don't always follow the rules of the road as a cyclist. Either way, there's a lot of blame going around. And I wonder what what your take is. Yeah, so that's, that's a very good question. And I, I always see it even on my Twitter, everyone commenting, <laughs> like, well, it's the drivers, well, it's the cyclists. But I don't think it's really any of their fault. I think hmm. it's just the way that our roads are built. And it's the infrastructure that we currently have. Parking is one of them. And I feel like if you just have the cars on the other side of the bike lane and have the bike lane like on the side, that can eliminate dooring or things Mm. like that. And I feel like the city can totally do that because I've seen it. I've seen it throughout the city. Some areas have it like that. So I don't want to say it's a driver's fault, even though it's in the data. But it's like I feel like it's not all of them. Mm. They should be saying like, well, what's the bigger issue here? It's not me or you. Jessica Alvarado Gomez is a Roy Howard Fellow at WBEZ with a focus on data reporting. Jessica, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You can read and listen to Jessica's full story at WBEZ.org. And if you've been in a bike crash or if you know somebody who has, WBEZ wants to hear about that. Tell us more at WBEZ.org slash bike survey. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Ethan Schwab was the engineer for this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. And The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and it's a part of the NPR network. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us. You can email us at therundownpod at wbez.org and tell us what you want to hear. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.